Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so this is part two. Time to get explosive. Yes, we're going to package the high-intensity repeat training with that long commitment devotion to the aerobic base, the cardiovascular conditioning, and of course the endurance goals. But this is where we can make fantastic improvements in a very short time by putting proper time and attention and preparation and focus on these high-intensity workouts that are so egregiously disregarded by endurance athletes out there plodding. Oh, there's going to be all kinds of benefits. I'm going to tell you how to do it right so you don't trash yourself. So if you've tried to get into these before and had long recovery time after, there's a reason because you broke down your cells, destroyed your cells, put toxic substances into your bloodstream to have to deal with. So we're going to do it the right way. It's going to be fun. Here we go with the show uh, emphasizing the explosive workouts. So yes, a 10-second all-out sprint A workout where you do a succession of those will pay off great dividends to your 10K racing time, to your half Ironman participation time, to your ultra marathon run, because what you're doing is you're making your body resilient to perform at all lower levels of intensity. You reduce your perceived exertion at all paces per mile below that so that if you're good at sprinting and you can exhibit good form and a good uh, explosive propulsive force off the ground with each stride that will pay off when you're running a 10-minute mile, a 9-minute mile, an 8-minute mile, whatever. We talk about this in the book Primal Endurance for a couple few pages directly on this topic about why sprinting will improve your performance as you carry on at longer intensities. There's a whole bunch of reasons. It has to do with fat and glucose metabolism. Everything is accelerated when you sprint. Uh, a sprint workout is known to uh, cause a a value of uh, 30 MET, metabolic equivalent of task. So you are performing uh, at a metabolic function of 30 times that uh, of uh, resting. When you're jogging or easy pedaling on the bike, your MET is something like 9 or 11 or 12, uh, like a, a, a tempo run is up there at 17 or something. But when you escalate everything to 30 MET, You are sending a profound signal to your genes to become competent uh, at 30 times normal output. So when when you ask your body to go at 14 times normal output, let's say on a 70.3 race for, what is it, four hours, five hours, six hours, that's going to feel to your brain and perceived exertion, again, is a huge uh, performance component. We talk about the central governor theory in the book Primal Endurance 2, as well as the videos in the course, the Primal Endurance Mastery course, to get this concept so profoundly how our brain is the ultimate arbiter of our performance and our fatigue level, not the peripheral muscles. It's called the central governor theory. So if your perceived exertion is lower when you're going at eight-minute mile pace because you're also a good sprinter rather than just a plotter all the time, your perceived exertion is lower means literally that you are capable of carrying on for longer than if your perceived exertion was a little higher because you never sprint, or uh, speeding up if necessary, right? So the explosive workouts are a huge component of endurance success. They've just been 
kind of uh, misunderstood, misinterpreted. I remember when Brian McKenzie came out with CrossFit Endurance and people were uh, kind of uh, calling into question the idea that jumping up and down on a box, vertical box jump, like the CrossFit workout, has any correlation to uh, running a faster marathon. But these things have been proven uh, very nicely to be true that, you know, the Tibata workouts uh, can generate a fantastic improvement in VO2 max in a short time. That was the initial study of the Japanese speed skater, Olympic speed skaters, where they spiked their VO2 max in four to six weeks from doing Tabata workouts. But guess what? Their Tabata workouts were four minutes long, not an hour, not 30 minutes, like you see at the fitness facilities when they're offering a Tabata class, and we're going to do kettlebells, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to work for twice as long as we rest, and then we're going to move over to this, and then we're going to move over to that. That's not a Tabata workout. That's an overly stressful uh, uh, repeating interval workout with declining explosive output over time due to the cumulative fatigue of going over and over at a two-to-one ratio of uh, rest to work. So the concept here is to hit it hard and then go home, be done with it. I know, change in mentality from the struggle and suffer endurance mentality, and that struggle and suffer endurance mentality oftentimes is applied in different directions where it shouldn't be applied. (laughs) Sometimes to your stinking ass job that you should quit by now, but you're such an endurance athlete that you're going to endure. Same with the um, toxic relationship dynamics that you're enduring because you're so stoic and stalwart and you can handle it and you can tough it out. And oh boy, we got to turn that switch off as soon as we depart from uh, the wonderful uh, pursuit of endurance goals uh, specifically. But whew, there's a lot of stuff in life that's not worth enduring, man. Life's short, really. Wake up, turn that endurance gene off and try to advocate for yourself and what you deserve. Whew, the podcast is getting heavy a little bit, isn't it? Anyway, when it comes to doing high-intensity explosive workouts, you want to focus on preserving that high-quality explosive force through every repeat that you're doing. If it's a a 10-second kettlebell swing followed by recovery period, or if it's a 10-second sprint followed by recovery period, uh, however many repeats you do, we want the last one to be equivalent to the first one. What a concept, because we're used to suffering through these interval sessions that go on for too long, and the first four or five reps are awesome, and then the next uh, six aren't so awesome, and then the last four are ridiculous, your form's broken, and you're integrating bad habit patterns, such as the swimming pool workouts, where you're trying to make it to the last set and you start thrashing through the water, so you're ingraining bad habit patterns as you fatigue, all kinds of trouble with that. So what we want to do is adopt the mentality of a sprinter rather than the endurance athlete that maybe we are (laughs) just wrapped in a different package for a moment as we head over to the track to do a sprint workout. So we want to preserve explosive force throughout every effort. And best way to do that is to make the efforts short enough so that you can repeat them uh, at the same quality and also allow for extensive recovery in between the efforts. Charlie Francis, arguably one of the greatest sprint coaches of all time. Unfortunately, the public knows his name as the guy behind the Ben Johnson steroid scandal, but of course the steroids were pervasive in track and field for decades, probably still are, some people think so, and uh, ignoring that, 
This guy was the absolute cutting edge of training philosophy, uh, training Ben Johnson to the world record and many other elite sprinters. And he would have his sprinters resting for minutes, three, four, five minutes before doing a second repeat. And sometimes their repeats were 20 meters, 40 meters for an elite Olympic athlete, just going to the track, warming up, doing all that preparatory stuff, which is super important when you're doing sprinting. But the main effort was lasting for a very short duration of time and coupled with extensive rest periods. So when I had Craig Marker on the show, you can go back and listen to that one. I also did a summary show talking about some of the insights from his landmark article called uh, Hit Versus Hurt. Hit, we know that word, high-intensity interval training, and then hurt is high-intensity repeat training. Uh, The distinction being that the high-intensity interval training carry on for too long duration of time with not enough rest period in between the intervals. So what you have is a decline, a steady decline in performance over the duration of the session. And of course, in conjunction with a steady decline in performance, a steady accumulation of fatigue such that you end the workout feeling trashed and depleted. That is our typical spinning class, folks, or our typical booty boot camp or whatever they want to call it, where you're going, going and asked by the enthusiastic teacher who's been well-trained by well-meaning people, but we are trashing ourselves in the name of (laughs) fitness, weight loss, uh, and especially the exercise high that you get at the end of a trashy workout. Yeah, it feels good. You're bathed in endorphins. You're bathed in pain-killing hormones, very powerful pain-killing hormones that make you feel great and make you come back again and again unless you do that too frequently and then you'll feel like crap or you'll get an illness. But that exercise high, that addiction to the the pain-killing hormones afterward is a big component in the uh, widespread mistakes that we're making uh, with our training doing these prolonged high-intensity interval workouts. Why is HIT so popular then? Why, when you Google HIT, do you get a zillion hits of people proudly touting how these are so much better than just doing uh, uh, long-distance cardio, you get fit so quickly? That is the truth, man. They are very beneficial in the short term. So if you have a gun to your head and you have to get super fit in six weeks, go out there and hit yourself hard, and you will make steady, steady gains in fitness quick gains in fitness. You will be overstimulating stress hormones like crazy, so you will be floating along on an adrenaline high for however long it lasts. For me, it used to last around six weeks. I'd go into these peak training phases when I was uh, training for triathlons, and I'd feel great upping my mileage, doubling my mileage, going out and doing incredible uh, uh, group workouts where I'm dropping the field and running to the top of the mountain and then the next day waking up and feeling great again and going pedaling instead of 40 miles, we pedaled for 97. What the heck? We felt fine. We kept going. And this is all uh, afforded by the chronic overproduction of stress hormones trying to keep up with this unnatural and unhealthy stimulation that you're asking your body to do. And then, of course, you go off the cliff and crash and burn. This is also the story of the biggest loser TV show. These people are working hard. They're doing great. They're disciplined. They're motivated. They're getting screamed at if they're not disciplined and motivated. They make great progress in a short time. And then when the camera turns off, (laughs) the stress hormones can finally cease that chronic overproduction. They go home and sleep and gain the weight back. 
known fact, a huge attrition rate in not only Biggest Loser contestants, but also participants in the uh, uh, charitable group training programs where they train you from zero to running a marathon in six months. And boy, you make it through that thing, you smile, you get your photo op at the finish line, you push it out to social media, and then the next six months don't look so good. Or maybe the six months after the next six months don't look so good. As you come down off the high, continue your commitment to running, and then let's check on you in three years' time or five years' time, and you'll see that shit in the back of your closet. Oh, it's tragic, it's sad, that's why I'm a little spicy here, where we're putting these people through hell in the name of fitness. So the HIT workout now is being called to the carpet under scrutiny as oftentimes being too long in duration and featuring that attrition in performance and accumulation of fatigue. Especially the poor guy Tabata who invented this stuff and now his name is being bastardized around the globe. I hope he's making some cash uh, at the least for doing it. But a Tabata workout is supposed to last for four minutes, not any longer than that. Uh, In my case, with the sprint workouts, after uh, being exposed to Dr. Marker's information and consulting with him, uh, I've told you I've always done a pretty short duration workout comparatively. So I've usually done over the past 13 years, my template was six times 100 meters uh, running across the, uh, the football field, or sometimes two times 200, four times 100, something like that. So not a very long workout. And because I'm an endurance athlete and I have a lot of endurance and I can suffer with the best of them, what I would typically do, again, for the last 12 years, except for the last six months when I made this change, what I would typically do was run that 100-meter sprint all out. It's only 100 meters, you know? And I'd jog for 15 or 20 seconds and then throw down another one and then jog for 15, 20 seconds, throw down another one. So very short rest in between these maximum explosive efforts. I still delivered a high-quality effort when I got to the sixth one, but guess what? The cumulative fatigue of the workout and asking myself to perform maximum effort on that final two sprints led to uh, more cellular damage and extended recovery time afterwards. Uh, And I've shared this on the show too, where I felt pretty trashed Sometimes it kicked in 24 to 36 hours later, where the next afternoon, after my awesome morning sprint workout, where I felt totally pumped up and great and driving my arms just like I do on the technique instruction video, everything was well until, boom, something hit. And that was the accumulation of cellular damage and fatigue from a workout that was quite stressful, perhaps overly stressful. So after uh, reading The Hit versus Hurt, I decided to take much more rest in between my sprint efforts and cut back on the duration to uh, about 10 seconds instead of the usual 17, 18, 19 seconds. Or in the case of when I was throwing down 200s, though I'm doing 34 seconds of sprinting. What happens as you go beyond uh, the 10 second mark is you start to Uh, exponentially increase the accumulation of acid and ammonia in your cells. And this is some toxic stuff that basically trashes your system and demands extended recovery time. I'm going to read some excerpts from this beautiful article uh, that you can find on uh, breakingmuscle.com 
called Hit versus Hurt. Uh, regarding the cellular damage that occurs when you're sprinting. So, uh, indeed, a, th- a single 30-second sprint increases the AMP to ATP ratio by as much as 21 times and activates AMPK, activated protein kinase. This is a sign of mitochondrial growth. So when you do a single 30-second sprint, all these awesome cellular benefits occur where you're building muscle and building fitness. Coaches know that 30-second bouts of all-out exercise deliver huge benefits uh, in that mitochondrial biogenesis. However, most of the benefits are possibly coming in the first 10 to 20 seconds. After only 10 seconds, quoting from the article, an ATP deficit starts accumulating. You can't produce energy as desired. So the emergency system myokinase kicks into gear and starts disassembling ADP to make ATP and AMP. Don't you love the science at the end of Brad Kern's rambling on and having fun times? It's important to understand what's going on. When you hit that 10-second mark, your cells start to react and they start to freak out that they're still being asked to perform at maximum effort. A byproduct of this reaction to keep you going at maximum effort is ammonia, which is very toxic to your cells and your nervous system. Ammonia toxicity, especially in the brain, is possibly why I and others are feeling fried 24 to 36 hours later. We're dealing with these poisons and trying to get them out of our body. Cellular destruction is known as deamination, okay? So when you get the acid going and you're starting to disassemble molecules to make the molecules that fuel the energy, the ATP, the familiar energy source at a maximum effort, uh, damage is going down. What they call it is uh, breaking down the A-frames of your cells. Rebuilding them is a costly and time-consuming process. This is again quoting from Craig's article. And while it is taking place, you feel tired and run down. Your ATP is short of a full stack. Guess what? Those who are super fit experience much less destructive effects than people who are less fit. So people going out there and doing a sprint workout as part of their boot camp they are trashing their cells much worse than the Olympic athletes we see on TV. I can reference that because I remember running the mile in high school and collapsing at the finish line and feeling like hell and I could barely walk and I'm staggering around the infield. And then you watch these guys like winning the Olympic gold medal and they launch right into a victory lap without even slowing down. It's like, wait a second, how does some fool sprint down the home stretch at maximum speed and then start smiling and mugging for the camera four seconds later? Okay, so uh, talking about that ATP being short of a full stack and you're feeling like crap. This is interesting. Some fish can totally use up their muscles ATP and break off the A-frames, just destroy their cells when they're swimming away from a predator. They have to lie helpless under a rock for many hours to restore it. Fortunately, humans are not quite that desperate and we can't drain ATP all the way, but we still exhausted enough to feel like crap the day after a hit workout. They've been shown uh, people with chronic fatigue have been shown to have reduced ATP pools all the time, dealing with trouble. Okay, here's some numbers, some seconds to really remember and reflect upon. This is why I changed my sprints from running across the entire football field 
to running uh, about 60 meters, keeping it around 10 seconds, under 10 seconds, sorry. What am, what am I what am running? Let's see, a 4.540 add-on, that's 2.5, 7.58. Yeah, so I'm probably running a 9-second, maybe 10-second, 60 meters. Okay, okay. I can't make it to the NFL combine, sorry. How about that 300-pound dude that ran a 4.6 in the 40? Oh, my gosh. People have no idea how fast that is. It's insane for that size of a human. Okay, so here's some numbers. Uh, In maximal exercise, muscle lactate barely budges above resting levels for the first five seconds while maximum power is maintained. Then acid doubles from five seconds to 10 seconds, doubles again from 10 to 20, doubles again from 20 to 30, doubles again from 30 to 60. You're just becoming an acid freak, man. Okay, so the amount of lactic acid produced up to 20 seconds is still manageable. But the next doubling is over the top, says Craig Marker, PhD. Even a single 30-second long sprint spikes ammonia levels almost five times. Craig says, why trash the body for no good reason? Yes, the untrained people, I'm skimming through, keeping you, keeping you focused here. Untrained people deaminate much more easily than trained athletes, so they have much more uh, a fallout, negative effects. So what do we do is we find the sweet spot, the magic window, as Craig calls it. In this window, between 10 and 20 seconds, between the moment when the power obviously drops, that means you slowing down, right? You can't sprint for longer than 20 seconds, really. Come on now, really. Between the moment the power drops and the time that glycolysis gains its full force and really starts gumming up the works with acid is where the magic takes place. You are giving your finest effort to sustain your output while your heavyweight energy pathway is fading, but before the acid levels become high enough to ruin everything. Okay, so how about striving to perform sprint efforts that last? between 10 and 20 seconds. Uh, If you're on the endurance end, you're kind of a slow poke with a lot of slow twitch, you can go up to 20. And if you're a fast twitch person, like an elite sprinter, they're going to work down in the seven to eight second range because the uh, body performs differently, right? We have different uh, uh, fibers and uh, chemical processes going on based on our explosiveness versus our endurance. Okay, so for the average endurance athlete listening, how about this? You go out there and perform a series of sprints. Running sprints are great. Bicycle sprints, whatever you want to do. Maximum 20 seconds with extended rest intervals. Pavel Sutzelin calls it luxurious. That's his word, luxurious rest intervals. He's taking people through kettlebell workouts where they're working hard for 10 seconds and then having these luxurious rest intervals so that the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one are coming back of a similar quality. So for me, that's probably a minute out there on the track where I'm walking instead of trying to do a recovery jog like my old time brain remembering the interval workouts back in the day where <laughs> especially with Kenny Souza or Andrew McNaughton, the recovery jog was at eight minute per mile pace. So we're doing quarters at a pretty fast pace, uh, you know, from, from 64 uh, years ago and, and then getting into maybe a minute 15 in recent years. And then the recovery jog is a half a lap at eight minute per mile pace. 
pretty soon that ceases to be a recovery jog. Let me tell you. Okay, so in this case, the recovery is going to be luxurious walking, catching your breath, refocusing your brain and body for a successive sprint. And if it takes a minute, so be it. If it takes a minute and a half, whatever. Or if you start out taking a 45-second recovery and on your last uh, sprint, you're going to take a minute and a half, who cares, man? Get away from that obsessive clock counting and keeping the interval the same and suffering through yet another yet another effort when you're still breathing hard as the swim workouts have been doing for decades, the master's workouts. This is about explosive performance and minimizing cellular damage so that you can achieve massive fitness breakthroughs. Try it out. And guess what? Once you get up to four or five or six times a uh, uh, 20-second effort, that's plenty. Go home. You know, go home still feeling good with a bounce in your step and an ability to focus at work for the rest of the day. Try it. Let me know how it feels. Info at primalendurance.fit for feedback, questions. Uh, love to get your questions and do further shows focused on Q&A. But I thought I wanted to present this, this big deal, this recovery-based training where you back off a little bit, maybe get less consistent with all those mileage but get that explosive stuff done. Okay, so let's summarize uh, in Craig Marker's words this whole deal with switching over from hit to hurt. The first component is to repeat the high-intensity performance every time. If you realize that you can't repeat a successive effort, you're done, baby, go home. Intensity is the key, so you want to keep the work efforts short between 10 and 20 seconds. No sprinting beyond 30 seconds. Luxurious rest intervals. For every 10 seconds of work, uh, they advocate about 45 seconds of rest. So that sounds very reasonable. That's plenty of rest, would you think? Yeah. If you're going 20 seconds, then we're going to go for a minute and a half rest between sprints. Uh, The volume depends on your goals, obviously. So I'm talking to endurance audience here and suggesting that you can go on the high end with your duration as well as your number of reps but it's still a ridiculously short workout for what we're so used to doing uh, in the endurance scene. And that begs the question then, what am I doing when I'm doing these six times three minute uh, with 30 second rest uh, uh, anaerobic threshold workout and all the rest that we've been reading about in the magazines, books, and coaches for decades? Well, you are stressing your body with a high stress workout. Once in a while, sure, those will work fine. Guess what you can call them? Races. Save it for the race, man. In training, go easy, use your intuition, take breaks, take easy weeks, take your aerobic workouts and and dial them back, and then go really, really hard, but not too hard that you're going to trash your cells. That's a pretty good summary right there. Thanks for listening. Good luck with it. Hey, go check out the Primal Endurance Mastery course. I have a whole series of videos on sprinting and explosive workouts, including technique instruction. That alone is worth the price of admission. It's like my favorite subject. So you can see like nine videos on sprinting. And we also cover all the diet and talk to all the experts. Great interviews with some of the greatest endurance athletes of all time. And because you've listened this long, I hereby bestow upon you a 20% discount on the course enrollment. Just type in the code BRAD20 and you are good to go. Talk to you soon. Primalendurance.fit. It's all there. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. 
It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the primal kitchen wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. A oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish Balance Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs>